right, good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith, and it's a Thursday, so we have our two uh, Thursday night guests. We've got Malcolm MacDonald and John Gibson. Hi, lads. Hello, Steve. Hi, John. Hi, Jim. How are you, mate? Hi, pals. Good to see you, lads. Good to see you. And uh, we're going to start off with uh, a little uh, byline in the Chronicle tonight by Lee Ryder. A little story there, just um, following on from that big uh, tune survey, which uh, which obviously makes interesting reading. I just want to focus on on Steve Bruce because he's given a given an interview to Lee at the Chronicle. And uh, just to remind people, if they hadn't seen the survey, fifty four percent of supporters believed that Steve Bruce had delivered a performance that was expected. Forty one percent felt that the ex-Man United skipper had exceeded expectations, uh, with only 5% suggesting he fell below what was anticipated when he's appointed. So, following off the back of those results, uh, Steve Bruce gave a, a short, concise interview, but more or less saying that uh, these days what goes out the window is the word respect. I hope people can look at it and say, fair play to him, he's done okay. Let's not bullshit ourselves, though. We've only done okay. I think in many people's minds, I wasn't capable of even being okay, though. So, in that respect, and it has been difficult all along through it, I have looked to keep making the team better and keep improving. As I've said many times, I only want what is best for the club. And then looking ahead to uh, the start of the new season and a potentially slashed transfer budget, he, he went on to say, it's going to be a difficult summer in terms of it only being a short break. Before we know it, it will be back upon us. Let's take stock and see exactly where we are. My job is simply to keep improving and I will be doing my utmost to do so. Uh, in response to a question on failing to better the previous season 45-point tally, which of course was uh, something which a lot of networks chose to, to have throughout the season, the race between Rafa's point total and Bruce, um, he said it's where you finish. To have seen teams below us at the start of it, I might have accepted it. Going forward, we can't. We have to improve and get better. We can't be happy with this. And that's it, really. He's uh, not really come out with a great deal more. Um, what's your take on that, Malcolm, first of all? Uh, well, um, <laughs> where do I start with all that all that you've said? But um, I, what I would say is, yes, Steve Bruce, I think he did um, he did well. But the question is, not what he's done last season, but what he's going to do next season. He's got to improve on, on, on what we saw last season. Um, otherwise, we're going to be in a, a relegation dogfight again until close to the end of the season. Um, and, and that's what I'm... <coughs> was disappointed in it it was what he didn't say in that piece uh, um with lee Ryder. you know he hasn't said we are looking to improve vastly next season we're looking at this we're looking at that you know and I, and i think he kept shy about uh about bringing transfers in so i i doubt that he's he's got very much to spend by way of the transfer market. Yep. John, what's your take on that? Well, when we say, what was it, 5% who said that he hadn't done uh, worse than expected. I mean, what was expected when Steve Bruce arrived mm. here was relegation. So obviously he did better than that because he kept this up. And from that point of view, he did well. It's all about, Steve, where you put the bar, isn't it? It was the bar that if you stay mm. up, you've been a success. If that was where the bar was, it was a success. If the bar was higher than that, that you either improve on the previous season or your performances are excellent, etc., etc., then it wasn't a success. But yes, I think we'll accept. He's, Steve often uses the word respect, and I can understand that because... Um, there has been a lack of that. That is something he had to fight against from day one. But there again, on his appointment, he knew it would be like that. He was replacing uh, Rafa Benitez, who the fans had seen has been forced out of the club by an owner that they, they disliked intensely. He was then branded as the owner's 
boy, if you like. So the, he was always pushing a steamroller uphill. And I don't think that's going to change an awful lot uh, in the future. It's going to be tough for Steve Bruce, but it's the law of football. I mean, you know, he walked out on Sheffield Wednesday to come to Newcastle United. Now, we can understand as a Geordie, Sheffield people are going absolutely quackers and saying deserter. He had that earlier in his life. I think, funnily enough, with the other Sheffield, um, where that was the situation. I mean, the bottom line is that we often have a second season syndrome with any manager whatsoever when the honeymoon period's over and we then go into things have settled down, what are we going to get? Yes, it's unquestionably very difficult for, for Steve Bruce because he's working under Mike Ashley and it's very difficult for anybody working under Mike Ashley. It was very difficult for Hutton and Benitez who were two good quality managers so it is going to be difficult but quite frankly if we continue under mike ashley uh with steve bruce in the chair no transfer funds until the new owner comes in it's going to be a tough season anyway and what horrifies me i don't want to start a new season with deep in my heart the belief that if we stay up what a relief that is what a way that is to go into a new season. And yet, Geordie's right now, I believe, are feeling like that. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with both both your sentiments. Uh, but let's see how uh, let's see how things pan out. Of course, uh, everyone no, everyone's still expecting a takeover, and we're not sure. But go on, go on, Malcolm. Yeah. Finish off. Finish off that point. One one thing that um, that I would mention um, on Steve's behalf, I think, and that is that. A manager always wants and certainly needs the backing of his of his chairman. How much is Mike Ashley actually backing Steve? Is he just there because um, he's cheap, he doesn't ask for too much, he's just thankful to have the job? Or is he going to <clears throat> go banging on the door and saying, I need transfer funds and I want them now. I need to bring in new players and I want to get quality. Um, and I, I'm not seeing that. And, and, and so I just have, you know, because, because most of the sides in the premiership are going to seek to improve um, during this break in the transfer market is Newcastle going to do the same or are they going to get left behind yet again yeah it's a big big concern guys it really is and obviously the takeover is uh is paramount to all of that and um you know we've entered into what what you know most newspaper journalists have described as a new phase um you know we you know we're led to believe that the uh, consortium has pulled out and that there's you know that there's obviously now discussions going on behind the scenes the silence has been deafening from everyone this week i think we've had nothing from richard masters um no surprise there we've had nothing from the buyer or the selling side um we've seen various you know various newspaper articles and and seen you know a little bit of coverage on television networks but but john it's it's yeah it's it's almost as if we're, we're standing still you know waiting for waiting for you know news from from somebody just to put us out of our misery yeah absolutely right steve uh the situation uh, as far as i'm concerned is that i know it's tough but we need the fans to carry the fight to the mps and the mps to carry the fight to the premier league because believe you me if the fans hadn't uh, responded the way they did the nust and if the mps hadn't responded to the fans the way they did this would now be officially dead it would be dead and over and not happening it is still the pot is still boiling because of the fans and because of the MPs. And there's no question, I think, Steve, that the they, they, uh, consortium, this was their ploy. They were gambling on this being so, that the, the Geordies taking up the cudgel would keep the thing live. The question now is, can we, the Royal Way being Geordies, pressurise the 
Premier League enough to get some sort of result. And the first attempt towards a result would be getting them to actually talk and, and open up about what has been going on. I think that is going to be a huge problem. They think silence is golden. That is their rule, not our rule, that silence is golden. It is anything but. But they are, I'm told, absolutely terrified about talking about this situation because they think the moment they open their mouth, they lay, they're laying themselves open to being sued. Because on one side, you've got Ashley having his lawyers hovering around waiting to say oh that's why you stopped me getting me 300 million we're going to do you and on the other side you've got guitars and lawyers hovering around saying ah so you're not really looking after us on the piracy thing we will sue so they were hoping that if the consortium went away the problem would go away. The problem hasn't gone away because the consortium have handled it so well and Geordies, who are sick to death, have been put on, have said we're going to be put on no longer and they've taken up to fight the good fight. Uh, the thing now is, can we, the Royal We being the fans, the MPs and everyone concerned, keep the pressure on enough to force the Premier League either to reopen the situation or to start talking about it against their, their will. It's a shame at the moment that it's a parliamentary recess. You know, yeah. it is not sitting because that stops the MPs going and demanding that certain things happen. I think it's absolutely inevitable that the new season will start under Ashley and this is still going to be something of a long haul. But what's our alternative? If we don't keep pushing, the alternative is Ashley for an eternity because I've got no faith, I'll say it yet again, in the American consortium situation. And anyway, a new consortium sends us back three months factor wise to catch up to where we are now so the pressure has got to stay on the question is do the premier league crack or do they not so malcolm following on from what john said there and and you know listening to it, the way john explains it in simple layman's terms is that the premier league are obviously concerned about legal battles on both sides so the natural assumption to make here would be the reason that there's been silence is potentially the buyer the seller in the premier league could all be sitting down and talking about this and, you know, the, the, the Qataris and BN Sports and trying to find a solution to this impasse. They could, but I don't think the Premier League want to do that. I think the Premier League were more than delighted um, when the consortium uh, walked away. They don't have, the, have walk, the same word have now. Have the walked away? Have the walked away? Or is this a clever, is this a clever ruse yeah, on it, their it behalf? It certainly appears that they've walked away and, and, and the Premier League will say they have walked away. Uh, and Premier League don't say anything. Premier League will say nothing. <laughs> yeah, but, yes, but, but, but within, within the walls of the Premier League, they will yeah, be saying I know what you mean, yeah. they've walked away. So let's not do anything. Let's not say anything. It, it isn't anything to do with us anymore. The situation has disappeared. We've got to keep the pressure on to force them. You see, we do we do underestimate in a lot of things the power of the people. We do underestimate that and it can be quite strong. And if we go back from a totally different situation to this in a way, but basically similar, the the, the Takeover before last, when John Hall moved in to Newcastle United, was fan power. Actually, I was part of that original Magpie group that took on the Newcastle United board. There was a different way of going about it because then you just had to buy up the shares. Of, 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 of Just that took some doing and it took two years. But it was a different approach. But it was fan power against current owners 
that brought about that huge change and it can happen again there's no, all over the world on sure. things that aren't but football this, but this time, power John, can work the, the, but this time John, yeah. surely the fan power and mike ashley are working together because oh, it, it's quite staggering one. isn't it because both, it's been, both parties want going the same result Exactly. Yep, yep. And of course, the Premier League have been able to hide behind this confidentiality clause, which was right. And they would possibly say now, well, it's still because it's gone beyond that situation because it's now open house. Anybody can bid for Newcastle United. The time is run out. But they would love to ha hang behind that and say nothing they desperately 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 want to say nothing isn't it? as malcolm said when they saw the consortium walk away officially what a relief you could almost hear the sigh of relief up here it is boomerang on that, that we up here have been unwilling to accept that and and therefore we've well, Lola's barking up the wrong tree there by the sound of it, but, um, <laughs> It's a classic. But, it, but the, 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 the can't hide behind this anymore because if we stay with them, we're going to force something somewhere. Whether it'll turn out in our favour or not. But let's look at another way. We ain't got much option. The only chance we've got. Malcolm, oh, Malcolm's uh, come back. He's barking up the tree. Yeah, I do. I he said he was barking up the wrong. He said he was barking up the wrong tree. Malcolm, he got a gag in while you were away. <laughs> you feed me all of me best times, mate. Peter Rob. Peter Rob. He says, says, says who let the dogs out? Malcolm did. Ah, uh, good stuff. <laughs> Ashley's got a force, it says David Mortem, and uh, yeah, a lot of people saying who let the dogs out, which is great. There's, I don't know whether you guys have seen, but on the internet, some of the fans have taken it upon themselves to set up um, a, a, a funding page. Now, I've had a look into it, guys, and I'm a bit, I'm a bit concerned about this. I've got to be perfectly honest. War Fund Me page is asking for five hundred thousand uh, pounds on a, one of these on one of these platforms to try and raise enough money to have a legal fight, um, you know, it, you know, to, to support the takeover. It's, it's a little bit crazy really. And, and Malcolm, it's not the kind of distraction we need, is it? When, you know, lawyers have been paid handsomely for the last, you know, 17, 18 weeks by the buyer and seller to, to try and get this deal coming, you know, mm -hmm. to try and get this deal done. What John's basically saying is correct. Pressure on the MPs, etc., has certainly led to somewhere, but we're not sure where yet. Well, yeah, yes, and 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 I I fully support John in what he says there because uh, um, <laughs> I'm just looking at the comment there. <laughs> that is funny. That is off his I wear that compliment. That's not a compliment, Michael. The snail outside is faster than Joe Linton. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, I, I, I think, and I have always thought throughout all of this, that the government want the deal to go through. They want to, to have those close ties with Saudi Arabia. Um, th there's a lot of business to be done, and the government have got to, have, have got to look at things in that way. Um, and I think that they would be very sorry that uh, th that it fell short um, on this occasion. But if, and I think the government would support um, putting some fresh life into the whole situation. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, John. I mean, fans fans asking for money it never really goes down well amongst the fan base, does it? I mean, a lot of people twist their face when they're asked to pay a pound to join the supporters' trust, but people are asking for five hundred thousand pound for a campaign. I mean, it's it's not reality, is it? No, it is unrealistic. I can understand in its purest sense the the, the theory behind it, the thinking behind it, in its purest sense. But when you think if, if fans were going to raise 
what is a colossal amount of money and if they did the Premier league and that matter the consortium and ashley have so much dough they could sit tight and just drain us out of the water couldn't they um because the our money i'm talking about fans would only go so far their money's almost limitless so you really can't win that way i honestly believe that that is not the route to go down the pressure is the route to go down um which is the route that's currently happening and going back to what malcolm said and i think it is interesting i think malcolm was saying yes you know they, they have stepped away officially and withdrawn the offer i think that the consortium have gambled they've looked at the situation decided that on their own they cannot get this past the premier league any longer they have mm. tried for three months or whatever it was they've exhausted all avenues the only avenue left is the public opinion in the northeast and they've deliberately gambled on withdrawing the offer and letting for northeast take over and drive it on from there i think that has been their way of handling this situation i think it's probably the only game left in town and i think if this doesn't work then nothing will work with this particular consortium but i don't think it's dead in the water yet because people power is quite an incredible thing and never never fails to surprise me at what it can achieve i go from cynicism when something first starts and saying this is too big an ask to realizing the possibility of, of very quickly of what can be achieved by the man in the street and ought to be achieved by the man in the street because he is normally the last one considered by football general and by newcastle united in particular Question yeah. for both of you on the screen there. Um, yeah. Can Malcolm or John shed any light on my first match? Midweek 1975. I think I was five. Dad took me because there was an ex-players match before kickoff. I think it was Newcastle versus Sunderland. I seem to remember it was foggy. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Now, well, it, it should with Malcolm because he'd be playing. Um, yeah, possibly, John. Malcolm, is it? I'm just wondering if if this was a game prior to a testimonial and and so there were two games i, on the, I, understand. I understand where you're coming from there yeah yeah you know that the maybe a sort of uh sunderland and newcastle x players followed by current players so there were two games hmm that's ringing 75 we would be talking would be talking probably malcolm wouldn't we the end of joe harvey's reign as manager because yes. he, he had the 74 cup final and it was gordon lee by the 76 league cup yes. final that's right yeah and joe was the manager through the 74 75 season yeah mm, mm. wasn't a benefit match for tony green or something like that was it it could well have been actually yeah well been, monks monks didn't have one when he went there when he deserted us for Sunday, did he no i don't think he did i don't know i don't have think benefit. so no. I, no no well i don't think we've solved it there but Here's i, I would have a look into to the, me yeah here's a question here's a question to you gibbo where does the current squad as it stand rank against some of the worst you've seen in your time covering the club well, all I've seen in my time covering, it's easier to remember the good times because there's about three um, seasons that were absolutely thoroughly enjoyable. Um, we've had some terrible ones. I mean, you've got to remember that we actually went to the depths of going into the old third division. If you remember, in the last game of... Uh, Kevin Keegan, when he first came into the club, we had a win at Leicester, remember, Steve, on the last day of the season to stop us yep. going into the old third division. So how bad was that? I remember under McGarry in the second division when Bobby Shinton was the top scorer with eight goals. Mind you, 
that was when we think this season, Shelby's the top scorer with six goals. So in the mm. leagues, I mean, it is pretty mundane. It has was, um, but my main argument, and it was a good question from the guy. But my main argument, not is this the worst ever, but aren't we sick of continual dross? We should not be sitting season after season after season saying is this slightly worse than 1980 whatever or slightly better than 1998 or whatever we, that is all we do we can't remember the la the only one season we've had under mike ashley there was anything near being acceptable was when we finished fifth in that absolute freak having been in the lower half of the league the season before and quickly returned to the lower half of the season, the league the next season, that is all we've had. Uh, we know when we last won things. Uh, you've got to be my flipping age to have been around when it happened. I mean, we are absolutely sick of that and we've got to lift ourselves away from that. We're not going to do it next season under Mike Ashley and I'm not blaming Steve Bruce for that because it'll be Mike Ashley as it always has been we need a new owner before we can start looking upwards instead of looking downwards fair play Peter Robson says Malcolm question to the panel hand on heart if this was a top four club would it have been passed by now so Malcolm I'll let you answer that um yes um I think that there is a, a cartel building um, at the top of the Premier League and uh, and I don't think that they want any new entrants um, so uh, Liverpool and uh, and Tottenham um, they made their um, uh, anti-feelings well known uh, and uh, and I think that there were others as well that it's almost becoming uh, the Premier League is almost becoming two separate divisions and we've got to be very, very careful that that doesn't succeed. Um, but money talks, power talks, and at the moment, all of the money is in the is in the top um, six or seven, um, and all the power seems to be there as well. That they are the people who play in Europe, and they they talk with UEFA, they they talk with the Premier League far more than um, <clears throat> than um, uh, far more than the, the, the Newcastle United, for example, and all the other, and all the other clubs are around. Yeah, Barry Hogan. Thanks Malcolm, for that, you're ladies. absolutely correct. So yeah, yeah, I was just like, going to say, just taking this up, Barry Hogan. Well done, you, and coming out with answers to that question. On yeah. just on what Malcolm was saying there about um, the cartel at the top. One of the things I've found very distasteful about us getting knocked back is the influence behind the scenes of the so-called elite six trying to keep us down. And what they are scared of, they're terrified. They should just look after their own house and to heck with else in a vibrant league is what is good for football in this country. They want to make it a closed shop. And they look at the situation and what do they see they see wolves suddenly looking very good leicester mm -hmm. suddenly looking very good sheffield united a little bit floating around there and then they look at arsenal who but for um winning the fa cup would have been out of europe completely and they think that could be us arsenal could be us and what if Wolves become established? What if Leicester become established season after season? One of us has got to leave the elite club. They don't need another threat to the elite six, which would be Newcastle United with a takeover. And that business of just looking after the elite is exactly what is wrong with top-class football, top-flight football these days. Getting on to players... Getting on to players, Miles has said Callum Wilson for 20 million, Hendricks and Fraser on free. So Matty Longstaff out, give him the deal that Bentaleb had with wages. 
and then focus on a couple of wing backs with around 15 million pound left realistic or lads malcolm what's what's your take on that well <laughs> you know it, 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 it's nobody can uh, really know quite what is going on does anybody does anybody know what is in the kitty for, for bruce to spend you know I'm, I'm seeing a guy saying oh there's 20 million to spend on on, on one of the play on one player that he's mentioned well I'm, I'm sorry but i'm not so sure that newcastle united have got 20 million to spend in the whole of this summer yeah John, have you got any indication of how much Steve Bruce has got to spend? Well, the, the word that is being given is that it's between 30 and 35 million for the whole squad, for all his signings, not one, uh, which is less than was spent on Joe Linton uh, last uh, summer and 10 million more than was spent on Almir in the previous January. Uh, and by the way, we'll all believe that when we see the money being being spent. How often are we told at the beginning of a summer close season there's X, Y, and Z to be spent, and then we end up at the end of the close season getting a couple of free transfer guys and a couple of guys on loan. Um, I can understand some of the loan signings that have been mentioned there, and supposing. Supposing for the moment, Malcolm, that there was 30 million in the kitty. Now, does that buy you a quality centre forward? Maybe yes, maybe no. But then, have you nothing left for elsewhere? And the main problem is centre forward, but there's bags of problems elsewhere that have got to be addressed. So, how do you go about that in terms of going down the route Ashley loves, which is uh loan transfers or free transfers uh, john i know because um in talking about a, a figure of 35 million it ain't much you know particularly if you've got to spread it out um over the whole squad it isn't much at all and you're not even talking bringing quality in with that kind of money manchester united right now they are considering spending in excess of 100 million on a player you know that's three times that amount for heaven's sake now and and there is the difference it, it is absolutely massive when man united are talking of spending that much for one player and you and Steve Bruce has got thirty-five million pounds to to spend on his whole squad, and and well, you can see where the where the gap's coming, isn't it? Money talks, and uh, and and it's it's sort of like top six, top seven, and and, and the the also rans who make up the opposition, uh, and. And, and I'm surprised, that, though, in all fairness, in all honesty, that Mike Ashley has actually come up with a figure of 35 million. I really am. Um, after yeah, after what, has, what has recently happened, I, I would have thought that he, he, he become quite disinterested in the whole thing. A lot of people suggesting that 35 million pound includes the wages, lads. <laughs> oh, it could it could well do, and I suspect I suspect that it's all right saying this. Sir, this is cushioning the blow that it's not a realistic target. By the way, that's top what uh, thirty-five million. It could include wages, signing on fees, fees, the whole kit and caboodle. What we know is it's not good enough to make Newcastle that much better than they are already because we're talking about Premier League buying Premier League class and everything is crying out to the fact that unless something changes we're going in exactly the same position as we were a year ago i.e. fighting to survive and then if we do survive expected to be grateful 
Yep, and that's horrendous. Uh, David Tweed asks, do you think if Hendrick signs, that opens the exit door for Hayden? I'd like to see them play together and tighten the centre midfield up. I mean, Malcolm, the big concern, of course, during any transfer window is that players could go. And Hayden's one that you would probably want to keep a hold of, as is Alan St. Maximin and Martin Dubravka. But if there's an offer comes in, who's to say Mike Ashley won't try and capitalise? Um, very true. Um, and I, I, I think he would. Um, and then, um, and then let's Steve Bruce sort of um, try and sort it out. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what it is that people are seeing in Hayden. I'm really not. I'm not seeing it at all myself. Um, and that uh, if if he, uh, um, I don't. I, I personally don't see him doing a great deal um in each game and uh, i th i think maybe you can get away with it in the championship but uh uh for me it needs it, it needs an awful lot more in the center of the park it really does than, than what hayden's offering yeah it's uh it's a worry isn't it john that we could be losing players Oh, it's a massive worry because if we lose people like Sir Maximum or Dubrovka, etc., etc., because necessary not to get us into the top half of the table, but to make certain we don't go down, is to add some decent players to go with them, not for them to disappear from from over the time bridge in a way south somewhere and um, that is the worry uh, and it is a massive massive worry the worry also is you know that if we continue down this path of living from hand to mouth people like san maximum are going to get very disillusioned with a club that apparently lacks um, ambition and is going to look to take to his toes. I mean, he, he hasn't even got the benefit of being a Jody, so we might have heartstrings. Though Jody's wants to see a lack of ambition in Newcastle, don't have heartstrings. Matty Longstaff has left us, uh, and he has left us because his contract's up. Whether he came back instead of going to another club is a different thing. But as day, he's left. And what will be as in Gascon, the, the wonderful threesome we had, bailed out because Newcastle United were going nowhere but into the second division, which is exactly what happened. So we can't expect somebody like Alan, Alan San Maximum, who's had one year here, to suddenly care for us so much, you will put up with any sort of loss if the club shown a total lack of ambition and signing nobody. We've got to get over this hump and get good players in. And as Malcolm has already said, if we've got to get good players in, unless we get dead, dead lucky, got somebody with an eye for talent in the way that Joe Harvey had, or Kevin Keegan, and Joe Harvey got them for peanuts. Kevin Keegan got top, top stars bought off the top shelf. Um, unless we have that, we're in trouble. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, Bizwajit says, uh, question for Malcolm, don't you think instead of a striker, we should focus on bringing a quality playmaker like Bruno Fernandes, even if it requires us spending the entire budget on that player? What's your take on that? I think it's self-defeating to spend all of the money on just one player. Um, one player doesn't make a team. Um, it, and I think that Newcastle certainly need to strengthen up front. They certainly need to strengthen in midfield. But I feel that they also um, probably need to, to strengthen at the back as well. You know, that, that um, you, you look back over the... Um, over the recent matches, and 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 a lot of centre halves were were out injured. Now, are they going to be reliable for next season? Uh, you know, the, only the medical people that, that, um, within the club um, are able to answer that. And I hope that Steve Bruce is actually asking that question. Um, but 
just to bring one player in. You know, if I were that player and I sat down with Steve Bruce, who I knew was looking to bring me in, to, to sign me via transfer, um, I would say, who else is coming in? How else are you strengthening the side? Who am I going to be playing with? What kind of a side is it that you're going to be putting me in? And if if all the money is spent on just that one player, Steve Bruce has probably got to be quite honest and say, well, you're the only one that's coming in, pal. Yeah. And the yep. fellow, and the fellow really wouldn't have any interest if that is the scope of Newcastle's ambition. Bring one good player in. Yeah, I think you're right. A lot of people talking about Mitrovic, Malcolm. Just a quick one. Uh, Mitrovic, of course, a former striker of this parish. Um, what was your What was your view on him? Do you th and, and people asking, do you think he'll score? Do you think he'll score goals next season for Fulham? Do you think he's a changed character? Um, I think he's learnt somewhat, and he has changed, and perhaps for the better. Um, I still think that he'll find the Premiership. A, a big step too far um but i saw an attitude from him that i didn't like didn't like at all and if you look very carefully at all the goals that he scored against uh, scored for fulham there are not many of them that were crucial goals you know, um, in, that in crucial matches, you know, um, that he can he can sort of score the third and the fourth goal in a 4-0 victory. But is he always going to be getting you your, the first goal? That's what I look for. That's what Alan Shearer looked for, um, uh, uh, is to... To be the main man in the box, to get the first and the second goal, get the side in the lead. And then if other people want to come in the box and uh, and have a go, fine, because you're well on top, having, you know, put yourself 2-0 up. Mitrovic, I, I, I'm not so sure that he really puts himself out when it really matters. Yeah, John, same, same question to you just about Mitrovic. He played for Newcastle and, you know, I mean, I, I, I've got to agree with yeah. Malcolm. I mean, he wasn't yeah. my favourite player, but God, I would much prefer him than Joe Linton. Well, uh, fair point. I mean, I would really back both those things. And the biggest problem he had up here was discipline-wise. He led everything with the elbow. He thought he wanted... Be done. Mm. The fans would love him if he physically and literally killed the centre half, etc., etc. So he was a walking red card. That was a major problem, um, and I don't think he's the best. But I tell you one thing: I bet next season he scores not only more than two goals, which are number. Nine, who I don't want to name because we talk about him too much, but a number nine scored this season two goals. I bet he scores more than that. And I bet he scores at least one more than the six goals, our top goal scorer mm. in the Premier League, gotten the season just ended. I think that is true. But yet, there's got to be something that's better. But I think he has learned. I think the traits are still in him, but he will score more goals than six that that total and by the way that's not a good uh, a goal at John Joe Shelby because in the position he plays he did very very well to get six it's a goal at the people that played in front of Shelby that couldn't get more than six he don't get more than six we're in big trouble Mitrovic for Fulham who might well be relegated again who knows will score more than six yeah a lot of people asking if we could have uh, Rondon back. Bra Bravo Mo says that he's still scoring goals in China, but um, we should never have let him go, really, Malcolm. Rondon. He was no, I, I, I would agree with you. Um, he, he lacked a bit of pace, but uh, he held the ball up well and, uh, and, and worked well with others running, uh, running off him and round him. 
Um, I, one person that hasn't been mentioned, um, and that's Dwight Gale. Dwight Gale, if he has the, the full confidence within himself, can score a lot of goals in the Premiership. He needs the right guy alongside of him. He needs a big fella who, who's going to be take, taking the centre-halves on and looking to flick it on um, for, for Dwight Gale to use his pace. And Dwight Gale reads that brilliantly. Um, and, and so I, I personally would be looking to find that guy who, who would be a, um, a good front man for Dwight Gale to be making his runs off of. And, and and that I think would be successful, and it and it would probably be bringing sort of between the two of them in excess of thirty goals. Ivan, Tony, uh, John, did he get a fair crack at the whip at Newcastle? He's scoring goals now, albeit at a lower level. No, I think he probably didn't. Uh, I think sometimes we are too keen jettison young players very early on and say you know that's the end of that you can now go we do that very quickly i was worried about woodman for example um in that sphere and luckily we've talked about new contract but we seem to have kids then we give them a new contract and send them out on loan give them a new contract send them and then eventually somewhere along the line when they come back after about three lots of loans we say goodbye and um, ivan tony wasn't given a real chance there's absolutely no question about that and it could come back to haunt us because he would be a physical presence up there he has got a finishing ability and as malcolm said what we need and i take malcolm's point that gail would only gail would only look a possible quality Premier League player at Newcastle if he had a big number nine with him because I don't think he has often been asked to play certainly if Benitez was here we only played one up front he can't lead the line on his own uh, at all uh, that that's not his game he's got to play off a tall big striker Andy Carroll is not available often enough because of injuries to be that man be so we've got to bring somebody in Sorry, it would be great if 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 Sorry, Andy Carroll was um, fit to, because he would do that job absolutely brilliantly. There would be a perfect combination. But yeah. it, it, but would it would be it would be game in game out, game in game. You know. <coughs> yeah, it would yeah, be great. Would it would be great if I look like Harry Grant. <laughs> uh, that's that's <laughs> like, that's life. <laughs> The, well, the guy, not in his, the guy not in his current no day, John. Malcolm, Malcolm, it would be good if you lost two stone, your hair was still black, you had no glasses because you would murder the blinking centre-halves today. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's gone. And I feel, unfortunately, it's gone for Andy Cavill. We're living on the myth that Andy Cavill, because he looks the same physically, you know, the hair and the build, and is... The guy that was at Newcastle originally, he is not. Yeah, you're right. Sadly, sadly, yeah. I, I, I wish he was, but he is. Sadly, isn't. very sadly, very. Yeah, yeah, very sadly, yeah. Malcolm. Yeah. Coming round, coming round to the last ten minutes of the program, guys. And uh, Malcolm did mention the legend, uh, like himself earlier on, uh, Big Al, Alan Shearer. He's turned fifty today. Yeah. Um, Gibbo, ne never have we seen um, in recent times, it has to be said, someone who got what the number nine shirt meant and, you know, could could put the ball in the back of the net. Of course, the Premier League's top goal scorer, but, uh, you know, came back to put himself in the record books alongside Jackie Milburn, Malcolm MacDonald and, of course, Huey Gallagher, Len White. You know, there's been so many great people in that shirt. Um, and he did it. He lived the boyhood yeah. dream. He didn't win a trophy, sadly, but he, he lived the boyhood dream and, uh, you know, he, he still sits at the top of that table. There, oh, there's no question about that. A great, great centre forward. I mean, at 17, he was making his debut in the top flight for Southampton, not against any old opposite, against Arsenal and scoring a hat-trick. 
that is the that tells you the quality that's coming he won the premier league his only major medal in club football with a club like blackburn who were not one of the historical clubs he came to newcastle and turned down manchester united for two reasons one because it was the club's heart and two because newcastle had just finished runners up to manchester united in the premier league and he honestly believed that this club would go on and win the title the fact that halfway through the next season Kevin Keegan took to his toes was an absolute killer and a killer for Alan because the dream sort of went the entertainer's dream went through the door with Kevin Keegan but he stayed on and he may not have won what he'd wished to win with Newcastle United but he is so proud of being the greatest goal scorer in Newcastle's all-time history and taking over from another Georgie Le Geordie legend like Jackie Milburn, he is the real deal. What real deal still is the real deal. And talking about another planet as compared with what we've just been talking about, about what Newcastle United might or might not need to be able to survive. The reason that Newcastle United never had a problem in the league table looking downwards when Alan Shearer was here it was his his goals guaranteed that you did Malcolm McDonald's goals guaranteed that Newcastle United would never be relegated when you've got a 30 goal a season man you don't go down and we had those players and we need them desperately again happy birthday to the big man he served us proud he mightn't have won many medals here, but by he won hearts. Sure, and uh, I would join you in wishing him a very, very happy 50th birthday. Um, and, and what we must also remember is that when Alan Shearer came to Newcastle, Newcastle United broke the world record transfer fee. How far are we away from yep. that now? Yeah, what a sad indictment, what a sad indictment, sad, sad, sad indictment, and uh, loads of tributes coming in for Big Al, uh, happy birthday to him, uh, I've done, been lucky enough, you know, to work with a lot of legends, as has John, we've both interviewed Alan Shearer on stage, and uh, it's it's always a pleasure to be on with him, just as it is when we go out and do shows with Malcolm, and uh, you know, these people are part of our, our history, our proud history, and um, unfortunately, over the last 13 years, we haven't had many players who could, uh, who could join that list uh, let's hope that you know a, a forthcoming takeover will uh, will see those kind of days return but uh, as I say we're coming into the last six or seven minutes lads and um, yeah just a lot of the, a lot of the comments tonight have been about um, whether you think the um, the deal could be done anyway this is a suggestion that was put forward I know by John Woff from the Magpie Club uh, when, when, well, the, the Magpie Group, sorry, when he was on, when, when he was on the show a couple of weeks ago, that essentially the deal could just be done between Ashley and uh, the, the consortium, and that the Premier League would have to, you know, would have to pick up the pieces. Malcolm, you're shaking your head, no, so we'll come to you. No. You just think that couldn't be done because the could deal they, cannot, could, cannot be completed until they do the fit and proper persons test. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely true, Malcolm. The difference is, the difference is, Steve, the difference is that in the days, because I worked with John on the Magpie Group and John was fabulous and people don't realise how much uh, input John Wolf had in getting all the shares for the original Magpie Group, the takeover before last. Um, but in 2004... The Premier League introduced this fit persons test, allegedly to stop clubs being um, exploited by these scrupulous owners and therefore fans being exploited. How, how incredible is that? Because that, that is now what is blocking the Newcastle United takeover. Unfortunately, and Malcolm is absolutely right, what 
it didn't apply in my day alongside John Wolf and Alan Rooney and Peter Ratcliffe and Malcolm Dix when we were part of the John Hall's Magpie group, but it does apply now. You cannot buy, it's no good the consortium going straight to Ashley, buying the shares Ashley, and then going as a fait accompli because the league will not sanction that Newcastle United to go ahead under that ownership because you've got to have your passport rubber stamped by them. And if they won't rubber stamp it, nobody's going to spend £300 million on buying a club and then told, sorry, you can't operate it. You buy it. It's like, you know, you do a deal to buy your house, but you then get a surveyor in to make certain it's sound. And without the surveyor, you shouldn't buy the house. You're not allowed to buy the house by the Premier League unless you get their, their agreement. Now, when you look at that ruling, I think there's only about, and it's not just the Premier League, it's in the English League, the National League, and the Scottish Premier League, there's only about one consortium, I think, has ever been turned down. The Southampton ones were, but they appealed and they won the appeal. Only one consortium, I think some guys from Donny or something weren't allowed to buy Donkers. They, they haven't gone round turning people down. All of a sudden, and they would say, well, we haven't turned the Saudis down. They made flipping certain that it would last long enough till everybody got sick and the, the whole thing hit an impasse. Uh, the whole thing stinks, but the goalposts have been moved. And sadly, the loophole, well, it wasn't the loophole when we were there. It was the way it happened. It took two years of fighting to get this thing through, but there wasn't the final obstacle that there is today. And that mm. obstacle yeah. cannot be overcome any other way than the rubber stamp from the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, Malcolm, it's uh, a lot of comments coming in about this. Yeah. Barry Mitchardson, yeah. he's saying, uh, what is that to stop them buying shares and invest along with Ashley and then in time Ashley selling the shares? I mean, with, with a lot of these things, there is always going to be a loophole, Malcolm. Do you think that's why, you know, we're not hearing anything in it? Do you think there's a lot of negotiations between lawyers going on and they're trying to find a way around it? I, I do tend to feel that what Ben says is that the TV money is the play, is the playing factor. I think I think it's got to be something to do with the piracy. It's got to be something to do with that. That's just me thinking okay. out aloud. But Steve, who has the loophole? It's the Premier League that have it. Yeah. Because a deal happens... And the Premier League can say, no, that, there's the loophole. Yeah. They can actually say no to something that's been completed. And they can yeah. say, you can't have anything to do with that club here in the Premier League. And so the loophole remains with the Premier League. And so you have to get it done right and in the right order. Otherwise... It ain't going to happen. You can do the deal, but the Premier League, aren't, you know, that it, it, let's just say that, that the Saudis and Mike Ashley completed the whole situation. What would the Premier League have done? They could have said, you, you can't go in that dressing room, uh, sorry, in the boardroom at Newcastle United. We don't want you there. So, would they expel Newcastle United? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I, we haven't reached that point, or rather the, the Premier League haven't yet reached that point on anything. Yeah. But, but they could have got very close to it if the deal had been done without their ratification. I think it's a smart move on their behalf. I think they've moved away from this, but it's how they've moved away. They say they've withdrawn, and I think it's now in the hands of lawyers. I, I think we'll get a resolve on this. And, and either way, I think I'm at the point now where if, if you know, Amanda and the, the, the consortium do get a knockback, uh, but they've tried everything every which way, but loose to get it done. Fair play to them. It didn't happen, but at least we know she was genuine and we can move on from that. Um, you know, is, is Henry Morris real? I don't think any of us believe so. If he was, he would have been here and doing something within this last four weeks. He hasn't been. Um, you know, right. is, there somebody else, is there somebody else waiting in the wings? But, you know, we've got to face reality. If this doesn't go right. through, we're stuck with but, Mike Ashley, as John said. 
Yes, but what what has surprised me in, in all of this is that considering the, the situation that all businesses are facing, everybody is facing right now um, because of this pandemic, um, that, that Newcastle United, by being taken over, they there was they were promising i think 200 million pounds for the transfer market for the first 3 years that's 600 million pounds way in excess of half a billion that money would have spread around the game over those 3 years football can't afford not to have it uh-huh. and so i you know i just wonder if that can if if the Saudis had stayed in the process and just kept chipping away, chipping away, in the end, there would have been a pressure. The top six didn't want it, but yeah. but that money coming in to all of football, by heavens, it, 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 it's one of those lifelines that, that, that is, is vital to keep football strong and, and working. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Well, the clock's beating us, guys, and I've got to go and uh, I've got to go and have me tea and have a drink because I'm I'm doing a bit of moonlighting away from you guys after this at eight o'clock. I'm getting your good friend on Ian Lafrenier. Yeah, my fondest regards. He is ah. a lovely, lovely ah. guy. He really ah. is. I will do. So I'm going to be back on at eight o'clock uh, to, to have a chat with Ian about, uh, you know, the fantastic entertainment he's given us with the likes of Porridge and Afvidas and Pet and Open All Hours and the likely lads. But of course, most of you who, who are of a younger age probably wouldn't have known that. And he's also a big Newcastle fan and uh, he's promised that he would come on the show. So he's coming on tonight. It'll be great mm-hmm. to have him on and uh, to chew the fat with him live from LA. But uh, I will pass on your best regards, lads, because I know you're great pals. Yes, indeed. Oh, absolutely, great absolutely. And to Newcastle fans, by the way, all the Newcastle fans, keep the faith. It ain't over yet. Great stuff. Great way to end, guys. I'll see you next Thursday. Have a good week. Hopefully, it'll all be done by then. Take care, lads. Indeed. Good night, everybody.